0: Right. Hey, let's open our Bibles. 1 John chapter 2. Last week we talked about uh, that big subject called. 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 Can you put that on the screen there? There you go. There it is. Eschatology. Yeah, that the study of last things, end time stuff, end time study. And, and we saw John, you know, who was, you know, one of the. You know, sons of thunder, and then the apostle of love, and now he's also the you know the uh, the uh, the eschatologist, and then you know he would be used to give us the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is full of the end uh, the end times, and and uh, he tells us you know that this is the last hour. There in in verse uh, what verse is it? Verse eighteen. This is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even though many Antichrists have come. So he tells us there's this urgency, and even then there was an urgency, in, and even today I think there's even more urgency, that we should always be ready. We should always be looking. Uh, one of the scriptures I neglected to, to uh, uh, share last week is, is where it says, you know, when you see all these things happening, what? Look up, for your redemption is drawing near. When you see all these crazy things going on, we need to look up. Not, don't look around and, and get freaked out. And, and, and uh, like the song we sang from Psalm 46, when it's all falling apart, we don't fear. Why? Because the Lord is with us. If we look at all the stuff that's going on, it's easy to get fearful. Yeah. It's easy to freak out. It is. But when we look up, he says, your redemption is near. He says the Antichrist is coming and, and you know, the, the anti meaning against Christ and instead of Christ as well, against the true Christ Jesus and, and where the Antichrist would want this place for himself. The stage, I think, is set. But before the Antichrist kind of rises up, he said there would be many Antichrists and we, and we definitely see that today. Uh, the question, why is it taking so long? Peter says that it's because the Lord, you know, he's patient. And when the time is right, it will happen. It will, it will happen. But Paul said this, understanding the present time. He says, and do this, understanding the present time. Do what? The verse before that he says to love, love one another. Do that, love each other, love, because The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of of light. We need to understand the present time, these times that we live in. Yes, it is frightening. And yes, I don't like it. But God is still in control. And God is still on the throne, and his will be done in all of that. So it's kind of an interesting transition now. The the next verses we're going to look at uh, starting in verse 20. Uh, How many of you have heard the phrase, uh, so anointed? Have any of you heard that phrase? Oh, he he was so anointed. Or, you know, oh, that message is, is so anointed. You know, we kind of throw around these phrases. It's a song. That song is so anointed. That teaching or whatever it is. You know, they have this anointing or that anointing. And, and there's, there's a lot of phrases that, you know, are using that. A lot of people that are using that. But, but John talks about it. And the, the, truth of the truth of the matter is it may not be, you know, it's a biblical phrase because we're going to see it in the verses we look at today, but maybe not the way that we often hear it used. So which do we want to follow? The way people use it or the way the Bible uses it? That's always the challenge. You know, we need to understand what what does the scripture say? Uh, David Guzik says this about this word. He says, when the New Testament speaks of anointing, it speaks of it as the common property of all believers. Not just this special anointed pastor, right? Thank you. He says, This is true even though all believers may not be walking in the anointing God has given them. But the New Testament does not speak of a special anointing given to particular individuals. He says, Among some Christians today, there is a rather magical or superstitious approach to this idea of anointing. Now, I don't want to minimize the idea of anointing. Because it is something very radical and special. But it's not just for this uh, special, you know, group or this special thing. He goes on to say that anointing has the idea of being filled with and blessed by the Holy Spirit. And this is something that is the common property of all believers, of all Christians. It's an interesting thing, and there's a play play on words, which I'll get to later, uh, about this whole issue. Uh, GodQuestions.org, he says this, there's a sense which all Christians today are anointed. He says, in some circles, they speak of the anointing as something Christians can and should be seeking. They speak of anointed preachers, sermons, ministries, and to advise others to unlock their anointing. And walk in the anointing. I'm not trying to make fun of these phrases, but I'm, this is kind of the, the, what we hear in different circles. He said some, some they, they claim there are corporate anointings as well as various types of uh, individual anointings. The five-fold anointing, the apostolic anointing, and for women, the Ruth anointing, the Deborah anointing, the Anna anointing. Some musical anointing. Instruments have the Davidic anointing. He says, In their hunger for signs and wonders, many seek new and ever more experiences, and, and that require, requires more outpourings, more spiritual baptisms, more anointings. But the Bible points to one anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to look at today. Let's read. 1 John chapter 2. And verse 20 and 21, he says, but you, now was he speaking to just one person there or a little class of people? No, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth or you know all things or all of you know, literally. He says, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes From the truth. So he says, You have an anointing. And and I can say that uh, clearly today. If you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you have received him, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have an anointing. It's not that other person, well, they all have it, but I don't. No, it is something that all true believers have. Now, this idea, this word anointing, uh, the word is Literally charisma. Charisma. Now that is not the same word that we get our word charisma from. Charisma, like charismatic, and, and that is from the, the word for grace, charis, right? Charisma. Grace gifts or, or or things from the grace of God. This is a completely different world and a word and it has to, to do with, with being uh, having oil put on a person. They would, they would take oil, special oil that was prepared from, from uh, many herbs and spices, special things, and it would be used, and it would be used to anoint or to pour upon uh, uh, particular individuals, and typically it poured out upon the head. They would also use it sometimes when people were visiting, you know, you would anoint somebody who was visiting your house kind of to refresh them. But typically in the Bible, it was, it was for, the, for the prophet, for the priest, and for the king. To anoint them to what God would have them to do and to be. To set them apart for this special and holy purpose. Now again, John is not writing to some special select class, but he's writing to all believers, to you and to me to all of us, that, and, and, and the, that we have the Holy Spirit, we have this anointing that has been given to us, later on we're going to see it's, it's something that's been given to us, and it's in us, right? Yep. But notice he says, you have this anointing, where do we get it? Where does it come from? It comes from the Holy One. Jesus Christ is called the Holy One. We know God is the, the, the Holy God, God is holy. We know the Holy Spirit is obviously holy. But this anointing has been given to us, it's now in us by the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of that is that you and I might be holy. You see, the anointing isn't just to make us be able to do all this crazy, wild stuff. It's to make us more like Jesus. It's to set us apart as believers. And every single one of us as believers is set apart to to follow Him, to be that light and that uh, voice in the darkness. Amen. Amen. Not just a special class of people. You say, well, it was kind of easier when we thought it was just that special class. It, it, you know, it didn't make me think I had to do anything or be anything. No, it's for every one of us. And yeah, there is responsibility with that. Notice he says, when, when you have this anointing, he says, what are you, you know the truth. You know all. You all know. He, he goes on in verse 20. He says, you know the truth. You know it. He says, I, I don't write to you because you don't know it, but because you do know it. You have this anointing, this, the, the Holy Spirit, when he comes into our lives and hearts, there's something radical that takes place. Something very, very different. Now this word for know, he says, you know, there are two main Greek words for the, for the word know. One is ginosco. We've talked about that before. And, and the word ginosco means to know by experience. You, you kind of know as you go along, right? You learn to know, and you learn by experience. This word here is eido, E-I-D-O, and it, it means that, that you're, you're kind of like, you, you know by intuition, you just now know it's, it's, it's really, in my mind, it's what, what God does when his Holy Spirit comes into our lives and hearts. Our eyes are kind of like open. The, the scales are removed and we kind of see. That's what happens. I remember early, early on in our Christian uh, life, you know, where it was like this idea that you just know that Jesus, you know about Jesus now. Where you did not know him before. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can turn there if you like. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul talks about this very thing. He says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. He says, he, he says, however, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, we have no way of knowing and understanding these things. He, say, he goes on to say, and so, we sometimes use those verses uh, kind of out of context, because the next verse says this, but God has revealed it to us, how? By the Holy Spirit, by his Spirit. He said the spirit searches all things even the deep things of God for for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him. In the same way no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Ex- expressing spiritual, uh, spiritual truths in spiritual words. And, and verse 14, he says, The man without the Spirit, the natural man, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Do you see what he's saying there? God has revealed these things to us by our spirit, but people who do not have this anointing, again, and all true believers have it, they can't even understand. Until you receive Jesus Christ, you can't really understand all the things that God has done, that he is doing, that he will do. You just can't understand it. It makes no sense. You try try to talk to somebody who is not a believer about the return of Jesus Christ, and they're going to look at you like you are some kind of uh, alien from another planet, because they don't have the Holy Spirit to, to to give them that understanding. their Their minds are blinded, the scripture says by by the the God of this world, so that they can't understand, they can't see but but when we turn to Jesus Christ and we receive him, things change. Our eyes are opened and 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 I know that you know, uh, so many things became clear. Now, there were certain things I had to learn as I go. You know, we obviously, were, we're, we're all learning. And Paul said, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to learn. We grow. We're, we're, we're on this path. But there are certain things. Our eyes are open about certain things from the, ve- the very moment that we, we receive him. Uh, Paul said in 2 Corinthians, now it is God who makes both us and you stand Firm in Christ. He anointed us. There's that word again. He set his seal of ownership on us and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. See, this is this anointing that I'm talking about. This is what John is talking about. You have it. If you are a true follower and believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living within you and it's kind of like a deposit. It's kind of like a a precursor of what God is is going to do, of all that is to come, and all that God has prepared for us here and in heaven. Not just in heaven, but he's prepared stuff for us here too. I believe that. Now, he talks there in the last part of verse 21 about a lie. He says, no lie comes from the truth. And and we have this, again, uh, as as uh, patrick pointed out as well you know this this uh, comparison the contrast between light and darkness between the truth and the lie and john uh, as a writer he he, he focuses on, in on those things very often so we now we, we see in these next verses the 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 contrast between the lie and the truth uh, he's just said you have this anointing and now you know and you know the truth And and so he goes on to say, you know, well, what is the lie? This contrast between the lie and the truth. Look at it in verse 22. He says, Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is what? The Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. And no one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So, so what is the the central message of the? Again, it's, it gets back to the the context of this Antichrist. But he's saying you have the anointing and you can understand that Jesus is the Christ. You have the truth of that. The lie is that Jesus is not. The Christ. You have to remember the context of the day. There were many, many false teachers. They would come along and, and, and just as there are many false teachers today who come along and, and lower and change the definition of who Jesus is. When you look at cults and false teachers, the, the, the heart of it is always gets down to who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus? What uh, did he came? You know, what did he come to do? Where did he come from? Who is he? It's always got to do with that. And so he says that this is the this is the liar here, and no lie comes from the truth. The lie is the one, or the liar is the is the one who would deny that Jesus is the Christ. Don't mess with who Jesus is. That's that's something you and I have to be always very careful about. And and if we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we hear someone start to say and stuff like, you know, well, Jesus, you know, he, know, he he was anointed. But, you know, he was just a man, but he was a pretty anointed man. And he had a lot of good teaching, and he taught really well. But, you know, there are a lot of other good teachers, too. And there are a lot of, a lot of other ways that, that you and I can, you know, find our way to, to heaven. Have you ever heard stuff like that? It's, it, it, it's very prevalent today. Although, I think, I think, you know, it's kind of been like that for a while. But what I think it's actually getting to now, it's more like no to Jesus altogether. He is not even in the group anymore. This is the group over here. And, and, and then eventually, as it kind of funnels into this Antichrist, the one who would take the place, instead of Jesus, the true Christ. You see that kind of picture? I don't know if you and I realize how much persecution is going on right now in the world. Against what? Against Jesus Christ. It's happening in our society. It's, it's been happening for the last, you know, 40 years or so when we took, you know, prayer out of the schools. We were taking, you know, you can't have the Ten Commandments up here. You've got to get rid of that. You, you, you know, it, this has been happening in our country, but, but, but it's getting worse and worse. But in other countries around the world, people are dying right now for their faith in Jesus Christ. He is not any kind of an answer. He is not the way. Jesus said himself, he said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. This is the eternal truth. Peter said it in Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus, Jesus the Christ. Now I mentioned about this play on words, and I and I I, I think it's I think it's important. The word anointing, I said it was what? Anybody remember? Chrisma. Jesus is called what? The Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The word Christ is, in Greek, is Christos, which is another form of that very same word. That's interesting, isn't it? So Jesus is the Christ, and the word means, as someone already said, the anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. So, and, and by the way, the Hebrew word means the very same thing, and the Hebrew word is what? Messiah. Messiah. It means the very same thing, the one who is anointed. Jesus Christ is the one who was anointed to be the Savior of the world. And so, so you see the, the connection here between this anointing that we have, an anointing that would tell us the truth about who Jesus is, the Christ, that we have that anointing. And, and so no anointing that is from God would ever deny that Jesus is the anointed one. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 24. We've got to move on here. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. And if it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. One of the things that they deny as well is the Father and the Son. As I mentioned, you don't mess with who Jesus is, that he was the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, that he came from the Father. You deny that, you deny the Father as well. He says, verse 25, and this is what he promised us, even eternal life. He said, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. But as for you, the anointing that you received from him remains where? In you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, not a lie, it's the same word as lie, not pseudo, not a lie, just as it has taught you, remain in him. He says, see what you've heard, the truth remains in you, and you remain in him. Now there's a lot in those verses I know, and we can't look at it all, but but this anointing that he's talking about here, he says, there are people that are trying to lead you astray, but you have the Holy Spirit in you. And that anointing will will protect you because it it, it leads you to the truth. There are just as there are today, many he says that we're trying to lead you astray and it's a it's a present. Uh, active verb, meaning it, it's going on, it's taking place. There are people trying to lead you astray. Paul, Paul talked about it in Acts chapter 20. He says, you know, there, there are people that will rise up from even among you, and they would want to draw away disciples after themselves. Not after Jesus. Not help you to follow Jesus, but help you to follow them. People. Again, this special anointing that they have. Be very careful. They just want to take others too. They walk away from the faith as we saw in the previous section and they try to take others too. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out. Paul said, some will abandon the faith in the last days. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. But he says, as for you, he says, that anointing that you have, it remains in you. And I want to say this to you, uh, I make a point of this. Is that anointing, the Holy Spirit that, that God has given you, it, it is there for good. It is not based on how you feel. Oh, I feel so anointed. Oh, I feel so I feel so anointed the holy spirit must have left for today. It's it's not your feelings that you know we base so much of what we think the holy spirit's doing on our feelings you know and that's just who we are. I, I just love that I felt so much then that must have been the holy spirit's anointing. That's not always the truth. It might have been just something you drank too much coffee or something. You just, you know, Or vice versa, you didn't drink enough coffee, so you didn't really get into it. But the truth is the truth is the truth. It's always the truth. That anointing that you have, the Holy Spirit, is, it doesn't come and go. In fact, this is what Jesus said in John 14. He said, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor. Who is He talking about? Oh, the Holy Spirit. And He said this, to be with you forever. To be with you forever. So it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. The Holy Spirit is there. And and it says that he teaches you all things. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you. Jesus talked about that as well, right? The, The Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things. John 14, John 16. He will guide you into all the truth. The Holy Spirit will do these things. And that is so very, very important. You and I need to know the truth. Stay in the truth. But he's given us this Holy Spirit because he's the Spirit of truth. Jesus called him the Spirit of truth. He's true. He's not of the lie. He's not counterfeit. He's not pseudos. And he's been given to you to stay with you forever. Now one last thing. I'm sure some of you are wondering about this part where it says you do not need anyone to teach you. Right? You've got the Holy Spirit. Now, what in the world is he saying here? Because if you think about it, what is John doing right here? He is teaching, right? And he's a man. And and, and the Bible tells us that God has given to the church what? Pastors and teachers, right? Ephesians chapter 4. The Great Commission uh, says go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew chapter 28, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and what? And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, so, so what gives here, right? Right? He, the Bible, you know, is is a book full of teaching, and God's given us uh, people to teach, and there are very, you know, gift, gifted people, and, and, and it's one of the gifts, uh, you know, that God gives to the church—teaching, right? Well, let's think about this for a minute. There were false teachers then, as there are today, and these false teachers were bringing what they called the new revelation—the special knowledge. But, but. But John is saying, listen, you have the Holy Spirit. And and as uh, John Piper and others said this, you have what you need. You have what you need. And what do you have? You have the Holy Spirit. He talks about this anointing. And what else do you have? Verse 26, we read it. It's not verse 26. I wrote that down wrong. Verse 24. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. He's talking about the scripture, the word of God. See that what you have heard, the, the truth, you hold on to the truth. So you and I, as believers, and you have to understand this, follow this. It's not a, you know, uh, there's not a problem here that we have the Holy Spirit this anointing with us to know the truth. And we have the scriptures, the holy scriptures, the word of God. So you and I, we have what we need. Now that doesn't mean that he doesn't, that God doesn't use uh, men and women to teach, because he does, and He's given that. But we have what we need. And even if we don't have access to uh, Bible teaching on the radio or on on the internet or on television, all the different access uh, points that we have, that that we can grow in our faith and walk because of what we already have. We don't need, we don't need to be led astray. We have protection from being led astray. It's, it's, it's you know, when you think about somebody like Jim Jones, right? And many of you uh, are, are too young to even remember that. But a guy comes along and he says, I've got this special anointing and you need, you need to follow everything that I do and everything that I say. Well, they're not uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to give them any kind of, you know, red lights. When somebody comes along and says that, whether it's here at Calvary Chapel or anywhere else, the red light should come on. Wait a minute. Whoa. And you have this group of people that followed this man who claimed to have this special authority. And they followed him, and what happened? They followed him, and, and he told them to drink this poison Kool-Aid, and, and they drank it, and they were, they They died. Hundreds, hundreds of people. You don't need that kind of man. You have what you need. You have the Holy Spirit and you have the Word of God. Again, it's for our own protection to help us. Without the Holy Spirit, you and I, we can't learn anything. I don't care if you've got the best teacher uh, uh, on the planet. If you, don't have the whole, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not going to learn anything. You can't. Again, as I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. I like I I found this scripture someone quoted from Job. And he said this Behold, God is exalted by his power. Who teaches like him? Is there any teacher that can even compare to the to the teaching that God brings to our hearts? Now he uses people, he does. But God is the one that we really teach you and I. So you have an anointing. I wanted to point this out true as well because this kind of ties into this. The Bereans, it says, they were of more noble character than the Thessalonians for they received the message with great eagerness and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They had the Holy Spirit, they had the Word of God, and they they checked it out. They didn't just take that guy's Word for it, though it was Paul, and what was Paul doing? He was teaching them, right? But they didn't just take his Word for it. They went to the Word of God, and that's why why we talk about this so often, that you and I need to, to know the Word of God. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to read the Scripture for ourselves. Please. How? Why? So that you and I will not be led astray. So you have an anointing from the Holy One. It remains in you, he said. And just as it has taught you, remain in him. This anointing, this this work of the Holy Spirit within us, what is he telling us to do? He's telling us to stay in it. Stay in it. Keep, keep on with your faith. You and I, again, we can just back off. And, but, but he's saying, the Holy Spirit, if he's saying anything to you and I today, it's, it's stay in the, in the faith. Stay in the truth. Stay in, in that walk of following after Jesus and what he wants to do in you and in this world today. Amen? Okay. Let's pray because uh, I went a little long today. Father in heaven, thank you for your word, but we we thank you for your word and for your Holy Spirit, that this anointing that you've given to us, that we have it, and it teaches us all things. It it is the spirit of truth, the spirit that that tells us the truth about who Jesus is, that the, the Messiah, the anointed one, this anointing that tells us about the anointed one. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Hallelujah. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you Holy Spirit, Thank you. for the work you're doing in my life, for the work you're doing in, in, in all the believers' lives in this room and those that that are hearing this message today. Help us, Lord. Teach us. Guide us. Lead us. Protect us. Especially in these last days and these last times, these last hours, these last minutes. Ah, Give us boldness. Give us uh, the truth to, to share with others around us. Give us discernment the discerning of spirits all the gifts that you promise uh, uh, we do want those we want to fulfill that purpose that you've called each and every one of us to be and to do and i know i believe you have a you have an anointing for each one of us it's a special purpose and a plan and fits our personalities, it fits our upbringing, it fits exactly who we are, it's exactly the way you made us, Lord. And and some of that stuff we don't even like. But yet you know it all, and you are going to use it all. So help us, help us, Lord. Pray, Lord, too, as as we always do. For any maybe that have never received Jesus Christ, your eyes aren't even open to the truth of who Jesus is, but, but you've heard that he is the way and the truth and the life and that you cannot get to the Father but apart from him. And there's no other name by which you must be saved. So you can call upon him right now and say, Jesus, I, I, I call upon your name right now. Come into my life. Come into my heart and save me. Forgive me by the power of the cross where you died for my sin. You were buried and you rose from the dead. Come into my life today. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together one more song, shall we?